kids so just some of our kids you know here uh, I love it when they say so let me just say it on behalf of the two and three year olds happy Mother's Day you know to all of you moms uh, one of the funny things that David was telling me upon filming you know all these kids the one thing he said that all of them actually had in common was that one of their favorite meals from mom was mac and cheese so uh, I don't know what that says about the health of our next generation but hey it is actually you know a great uh, time to celebrate we also recognize then on Mother's Day, uh, this can be a painful time, either a loss of mom or a uh, pain that we've had with our moms or some infertility issues that we've experienced. We fully recognize uh, that impact in our lives. In fact, on your way out, uh, there's going to be a bookmark that kind of addresses that as just a gift from us to you. And at the same time, we still want to take a moment to honor moms and just say thanks for being moms, because the one thing that all of us have in common is at one point in our life, mom gave birth to us. So can, if you're a mom, can you please stand? We just want to honor you right now, just where you're at. Let's give it up for moms. <laughs> thanks for taking time you know, to be here. Uh, we knew when we put together this series called uh, Anxious for Nothing that it was going to run through Mother's Day, and we were very aware that moms, you probably struggle a little bit with some stress, you know, some worry, some anxiety, and we thought this would be a perfect message uh, to be able to talk through. And now this series has been about the desire to experience one of God's promises, which he says, peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts even when we go through stress and anxiety in our lives. Now, how do we experience that? Well, on, the, on the Easter, we talked about resurrection perspective, that no matter how bad life gets, we have something to look forward to, which can lessen some of the stress in our lives. And then Ryan talked about this verse, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. So how do we experience calm in the midst of stress? The first one is to celebrate God. We don't celebrate our circumstances. We don't celebrate the hard or challenging times. But when you celebrate and focus on God, it takes stress from here to here. Then last week, we talked about asking God for help. So recognize that God is here, and we want to ask him for help, 
But the challenge was, don't let it be the last thing we do, but may a habit begin that it's the first thing. Today, we're going to talk about leaving our concerns with him. And then next week, I want to encourage you to come back as we wrap up this series on what it means to meditate. So calm, to celebrate, to ask, to leave, and to meditate. Now, I'm excited because today you get to hear from the person who oversees all of our women's area named Hester Christensen. So Hester, can you come on up? God has given her such a powerful word. And here's what I can tell you, you know, already, many, many people have already come out just really impacted by what God has said through this amazing gal who has this amazing gift. And so we're going to pray, you know, for us as much as Hester as we go into this time together. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you so much, you know, for Hester, for already the, the previous services in which you have used her to impact lives. And I pray, Father, you just continue to speak through her even right now. And that, Father, it would be your words that would flow through her. And, Lord, that we would be open and receptive. We wouldn't think about what's coming next after this time, but we would be present. We'd be here. And, Father, allow us to receive what you would have, to have us receive, but what you might also want from us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dan. And happy Mother's Day, ladies. It's so good to see you. I hope you... Ah, thank you. As Dan said, my name is Hester, and I get to serve on staff here with Women's Ministry, and it's been a joy and a blessing. I've been able to do that for about three and a half years, although I've been serving in ministry for about 26 years alongside my husband, although we've only been married 24. So think, of, think about that with me. We did a lot of serving together when we were dating. You could call those our date nights. We were at youth ministry or with the twos and threes. But I also have three incredibly handsome young men teenage boys that are 19, 17, and 14. And if I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me if I believed in arranged marriage, (laughs) I would probably have my house paid for. (laughs) Let me tell you about one of my incredible young men. I came home from getting groceries recently and walked in the door and I said to my youngest son, hey, where's your dad and brother? To which he said, Oh, he went to get his driver's license. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, I was rather shocked by that statement because he was not ready in my book. There were a few instances recently that had clearly confirmed that. And you might have had a panic attack too if you'd been riding with my son. <laughs> but I could feel the immediate tension just raise up inside me that anxiety and that anxiousness. I started pacing in the house, going back and forth, and my mind went to that what if, never, never land. Your mind does that too sometimes? Okay, good. You're my people. (laughs) But I just remember having this moment, back and forth, back and forth, and then I remembered. I had just read this verse in Philippians that morning. I thought, okay, all right, Lord, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to practice what this, this verse is telling me. And so... I'm praying, Lord, you know how I feel about my son. You know that I feel that he's not ready. You know where my anxieties lie with this, him having a driver's license. Lord, I need you to help me to trust you no matter the outcome of his driver's test. And Lord, if he passes, please help me to tell everyone to get off the sidewalks. (laughs) And if he fails, well, then I guess he's not ready. Well... I was able to kind of talk myself away from the ledge a little bit, but I was, as I was praying with the Lord, I was really seeking him because I wanted to trust him in this regardless of the outcome and to know that he would grow me and my son through this experience. 
And it was really good for me as I look back on this that I had decided in advance that I could give this concern to God. I had to literally talk myself through it step by step with the Lord. I had to let go of my wishes and place my concerns in the trusted hands of my father. And we had a little bit of a tug of war. You guys ever have a tug of war with God? Come on, I can't be the only one, right? Yeah. Had a little bit of this tug of war with God, and I'm like, okay. And it was when I let go that I began to experience the peace of God. And that my anxiety over this dramatically lessened by the time they got home. And boy, oh boy, I... Apparently, the driver instructor didn't think he was ready either. (laughs) I'll just say, second time's a charm. (laughs) But preparing this message this weekend has been really self-reflective for me as I evaluate my own life and I think about the anxieties and the worries and the concerns and fears that I have. And I really am going to be straight up with you guys. Like, this is an area of continual growth for me. I haven't arrived but I am seeking to trust the Lord. And this is an area that I'm growing in. So I recognize, though, one of the things, as I've been thinking about this, what are some of the ways I tend to cope with anxiety? What are some of the things I do? And I realize I start cleaning. And I don't, okay, I know that is weird. Some people eat, some people go shopping. I start cleaning my house. So if you come over to my house and it is spotless, you'll know it has been a wing dinger of a week. But you know what I'm so thankful for? I'm so thankful that we have Jesus. I'm so thankful that I can go to him and that I don't have to do life alone without him. That there's too much pain in life. Life is just too hard sometimes. That we have Jesus with us. And we're reminded every day of that first sin in the garden long time ago. That because of that first sin, now anxieties and fears and worries are universal for everybody. And like Adam and Eve, we may have that tendency to want to run, to hide from God. We feel that weight, the the weight and the pressure of life's anxieties. But this, it is in those moments that God invites us in. He invites us in to leave our concerns with him. And as Dan mentioned last week, he talked about the Lord is near, that God is with us. His spirit is within us. And so let's keep that in mind as we look at the letter L in this CALM series that we're teaching through, the acronym. But we're going to discover this morning how even in the midst of anxiety and fears and worries and concerns, even in the midst of those, we can leave our concerns with God with thanksgiving and experience the peace of God. Let's read Philippians 4, 6 to 7 together. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Have you ever wondered when you look at that verse, why is thanksgiving included here in Paul's instructions for us when we pray? Why does he include thanksgiving? Why not just say, leave your concerns with God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ? Why not just that? See, I I think that thanksgiving is not always front and center when we're going through stuff. I think, honestly, it's probably giving thanks is probably the last thing that we want to do in the midst. But what is it, church? 
What is it about Thanksgiving between leaving our concerns with God that helps usher in God's peace? Did you know Philippians 4 isn't the only place we're called to be thankful to God? Listen to what Ephesians 5.20 says. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Or how about 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What do you think of those words? All. Everything. Always. They kind of make me cringe a little bit, if I'm honest. And we see in these passages that thankfulness is clearly expected. But why is it connected to leaving our concerns with God? See, I believe that thankfulness really serves as a guide for us to stay centered on God and not on our circumstances. As thankfulness guides our heart towards the peace of God, the peace of God will guard our hearts as we leave our concerns with him. And thankfulness accomplishes this in a few ways. If you're taking notes on the weekly, this is going to go rapid fire, so just hang in there. If you want to take notes, here goes. First of all, Thankfulness aligns our heart towards appreciation for who God is and what he's done. A prayer might sound like this, Lord, your word tells me that you are love. Thank you, God, for your unconditional love, that even when I feel alone, you're with me. Secondly, thankfulness directs our heart towards contentment. A prayer for that might sound like, thank you, God, for being such a faithful provider you are all that I need, and you are actually more than enough. Thirdly, thankfulness points our heart towards an eternal perspective. This might sound like, thank you, God. Thank you for your infinite wisdom in this situation with my child. You know their pain and struggle. You know how you're going to use this to grow them. But thank you, God, that you will use this to draw them closer to you. And Lord, thank you that my thankfulness isn't dependent upon the outcome of the circumstance. Lastly, thankfulness trains our heart to trust the character and sovereignty of God. And that word sovereignty just is a big word that means God is in control. Thank you, God, for being trustworthy. I need your goodness to intersect my doubt right now when I don't understand why. I need your strength, Lord when I want to try and control the outcome of my situations. I know that this, this may feel long, but I want you to hang in there. We're going to circle back on it later in the message. But the main point I'm hoping that we will leave today with is this. The more we know God, the more we relate with him. The more we relate with God, the more we will trust him. The more we trust God the more we will leave our concerns with him. And the more we leave our concerns with God, the more thankful we are for him. Do you see the progression there with knowing, relating, trusting, and leaving? Shake your head, yes, okay, good, awesome. But unfortunately, we also have to understand the opposite is also true. If we don't know God, 
we're going to struggle to relate with him. And if we don't relate with God, we're going to struggle to trust him. And if we don't trust God, you know what we're going to do? We're going to tend to try to take control. We've all been there. Don't try to convince me differently. I'm sure I'm not the only woman in this audience this morning that struggles with trying to take control. But really, it's, control is elusive. It feels great when we have it because it feels like we're, it feels safe, feels comfortable, feels like we have a, a say in what's going on. But when we don't have control, that's when we start to stress and panic and get anxious. It's because we want to be the rulers of our own little worlds, do we not? And when God fails to come through like we hoped or like we asked, when we will begin to question God, we'll doubt his love, we'll withdraw from a relationship with him, and then we'll demand an explanation because of our unmet expectations. But God, God is not a genie. He is not a slot machine. We don't come to him with our wish list and, oh, by the way, God, here's my to-do list. If we want to live calm lives, we must relinquish control. And knowing that God has our best interests in mind, and he's more interested in our transformation than he is in changing our situation. And really, a peaceful soul lets go of control. Yeah. I remember a specific time when I was challenged with being thankful. One month after my mom passed away, I started the first night of my grief share class at church. And we were sitting in a group, and we all went around introducing ourselves, and there was a gentleman in the class whose wife had passed away, and he had buried her uh, about a month before that. And he had said that verse I just quoted in First Thessalonians about giving thanks in all circumstances. And he's like, well, the Bible says that. I, I need, I'm thankful for my wife's death is basically what he was saying. And I was like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, dude, I do not get you. I don't even want to talk to you. I don't want to look at you. In fact, I think I'm in the wrong class. I don't think I signed up for this because there's nothing thankful in my heart about my mom's death. I could not relate with this guy at all. And the snarky side to me wanted to say, oh, was your marriage that bad? <laughs> See, I didn't believe that God had my best interests in mind. I didn't have this struggle, this suffering, this pain on my agenda wasn't on my timeline. I didn't trust the Lord. I struggled to trust his goodness through my pain. And because I lacked trusting in God, I had a hard time going to him, let alone leaving my concerns with him. And it took a few years for God to work on me through my brokenness, but he tenderly revealed some gaping holes and rough edges in my heart. And God is so gracious, isn't he? He's very gracious with us. And although my situation was the same, hadn't changed, something in me began to change. God took me on this process of refinement that really led to revival. Now, I miss my mom like crazy. I'm not going to lie, I miss her. But I can honestly stand before you today and I can tell you that I am so thankful for what God has done in me through my mom's death. And I've since discovered that the degree we trust God will be the degree we entrust our concerns to God. Am I right? That'll preach people. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
The degree we trust God will be the degree we entrust our concerns to God. That's right. You know, (laughs) we leave things all the time. We're forgetful people. We leave our phone. We leave our keys. We leave our wallet. Recently, I was at the grocery store, and I left my grocery list in one store, went to the next store. Where's my list? I had to go back to the other grocery store to get my list. (laughs) One of my sons recently left his basketball uniform at home on an away game day, and I'll just let you guess which one sat on the bench that night. Yeah. And guys, you are not off the hook. This is not like, you know, I know you want to leave your mother-in-law at the airport. Yeah. I know, I know. I had a few conversations out in the lobby. (laughs) No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) These examples of leaving are implying forgetfulness, but the connotation behind leaving our concerns with God is really one of purposefulness, that we are willfully entrusting the burdens of our heart to his safekeeping. And when we do this, in essence, we're handing over our concerns to God. We're handing over the burdens of our heart, and we're no longer carrying the tension of their weight. This is different than when we go shopping at the grocery store, and they ask you to take off your backpack and put it at the front counter, and then you go and you do all your shopping, pay for your stuff, and then you grab your backpack on the way out. Not like that. Totally different. It's more like climbing to the top of a mountain, and you get to the top, and you put something in the time capsule, and then you come back down. Now, you know what you left, and you know where you left it, but you're not carrying it anymore. Are you following? Okay, good. Are we following? Good. (laughs) Leaving our concerns with God requires us to confide in God. Have you ever noticed that the word confide is actually the root to the word confidence? That confidence in God must be present before we will confide in God? Because, remember, the more we know God, the more we relate with him. The more we relate with God, the more we will trust him. And the more we trust him, the more we will leave our concerns with him. And the more we leave our concerns with him, the more thankful we are for him. But I didn't always have confidence in God early on in marriage when it came to money. It was tight and I was a worrywart. I couldn't figure out how we were going to pay for the broken fridge or the tires that blew or any other, what I thought was a catastrophe. Hate to see what I'd do if I had a real problem, right? I, I just worried so much. I've kind of been the girl growing up that's been like, show me the money. That's been my MO because I struggled with that. But over and over and over for 24 years, I have seen God provide in ways that have blown my mind, to be honest. And because of his faithful track record, I am less inclined to worry about money. I've allowed this area of anxiety, I've been able to let it go because I've seen God's faithfulness. But sometimes we also struggle with letting go of things and entrusting them to God because we're still holding on to something from the past. What happens is, we bring those things into the present and that anxiety and all of it that's in that, not realizing that we're actually creating more pain for ourselves in the present because we haven't dealt with that wounding or that heartache or whatever that is. 
And so some of us here this morning, we may need to grieve the wounding before we can leave our concerns with God. Grieving is really, it's just a process of letting go. That's what it is. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that it's easy. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to hand you a package with a pretty glittery bow and say, here you go. It is hard. It is hard. And it may get worse before it gets better. But I'm telling you as a victorious Christian woman that I have had to deal with the baggage of my past and the wounding of my childhood. And I have brought it into the present and I've had to deal with it. So I'm telling you that God is a God of healing and I'm telling you that he wants to bring healing to your life. Whatever that trauma, whatever that wounding is, he will do it. Do you hear me? Okay, do you believe what I'm saying? That's right. But as we do that, as we start to let go, and as we do that, we have got to understand that God is different than our fathers who abandoned us. He's different than our teachers who ridiculed us. He's different than our family and friends who betray us. Different than our coaches that criticize us. Different than our boss who oppresses us. We can trust the one who died for us. We can trust the one who delivered us from sin. We can trust the one who invites us in to leave our concerns with him. That's right. This last year has been a big process for me of letting go and adjustment for sure. As my oldest son went to college last August. And it hasn't been easy. It has stretched me a lot. <laughs> but because I trust God, it has been easier for me to entrust my son to God, to, for God to watch after him, to guard him, to protect him, to shepherd his heart, to love him, to lead him. It has been easier for me to do that, to watch him and grow and mature into a young man. And although God, our children are God's gift to us, but it is hard sometimes to give them back to him, right? Well, let's be honest. Sometimes we're like, all right, Lord, come and get them. <laughs> That's right. But just like we learn to let go as our kids grow up and leave home, we too, as we grow in our faith, can learn to let go and leave our concerns with God. Concerns of all sizes. We got big concerns. We got small concerns. We got them all in between. We can leave them all with the Lord. Adrian Rogers tells a story about a missionary who is out in the jungle, and he was getting attacked by a lion. And he cries out to the Lord, Lord, protect me. Deliver me from the mouth of the lion. And by miracle, God did. Delivered him from the lion. That night, the missionary goes back to the compound. He goes to sleep that night, and he's laying there, and he's like, what is that noise? He hears this little mosquito buzzing. So he gets up, turns the light on, tries to find the mosquito, and he can't find him. Goes back down, lays back down to sleep. Hears the buzz again. Gets up, turns on the light. Where's the mosquito? Can't find the mosquito. All night, back and forth. He's fighting with this mosquito. But when the missionary wakes up in the morning, God had a little bit of a conversation with him. He says, now, you prayed and asked me to take care of the lion, and I did. But you thought you could handle that mosquito by yourself? Yeah. Are we going to stay up all night with our mosquitoes? 
Are we only going to give God the big things? What about the small things? Right? Because remember, the more we know God, the more we relate with him. The more we relate with God, the more we will trust him. The more we trust God, the more we will leave our concerns with him. And the more we leave our concerns with him, the more thankful we are for him. And the more the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ. You know, Paul gives us one of the greatest promises of God in this section of Scripture when he tells us the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we have a deep, abiding trust in God, we will experience the supernatural peace of God because our perspective shifts when we have an eternal mindset of who God is and that he knows best. We all want to experience more peace, am I right? That's right. See, peace is not just the absence of conflict. It is the presence of calm. Peace is more than a feeling. It includes the sense that God is with us. And over the years, God has taught me, God continues to teach me, that the more I trust him and entrust my worries and anxieties to him, the more of his peace I begin to experience. The best way I can think of to describe the, the peace of God is kind of like a trusted friend. You know you can call them, you know that they're reliable, they're faithful, you can ask them to do something and they're going to get it done. It'll get taken care of. There's a sense of relief, right? A sense of assurance. You know what I'm talking about with this trusted friend, right? Well, the same is true for our relationship with God. We know that when we give him our concerns, we can say, you've got this, God. You have got this. More recently, I experienced this with my youngest son. Last fall, he was playing in a football game, and he actually broke both bones in his forearm. Now, there would have been a time when I'd have been like, all right, which one of you punks threw the late hit? Let's go. I'm ready. (laughs) But I didn't do that. I didn't overreact. I was really proud of myself. I'm like, oh, son, you're fine. I'll get you an ice pack. So I went and got the ice pack, and he's standing there with his ice pack. And about 10 minutes later, he's like, Mom, it really hurts. Now, you got to understand, my son Cooper is tough. Okay, the youngest of three boys, he's kind of like the crash dummy of the family. (laughs) He's had more glue, stitches, and broken bones than anybody in my family. It's kind of odd. So I'm like, all right, we'll take him to the doctor. Let's go. So we're praying on the way. We get there, and we're waiting. Now, I think that our arms are supposed to be linear. Does that sound about right? I mean, I'm not a doctor, but it's not rocket science. So Cooper takes off his ice pack, and it's more like this. Like, oh, dude. But I was calm as a cucumber. I held it together. Now all the mamas are like, That's right. Amen. I did it. I'm so proud of myself. (laughs) But I was calm. And I'm just telling you, like, that is one success story for me. And it reminds me, it reminds me that God is at work in me. And he's at work in each of us. As we, as we close out the, this passage, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit on this last section about the peace of God. There's a A few things worth mentioning in Philippians 4, 6. The Apostle Paul, who is believed to be chained to a Roman guard, is writing the book of Philippians from Rome, which is actually the capital city of the Roman Empire, 
which at this time in history was the largest empire of the world. Rome was kind of a big deal. (laughs) It controlled and ruled the entire ancient world. Now, Paul is writing this book to the believers in Philippi, which had been a Roman colony for more than 100 years at this time. And being a Roman colony was the highest status that a city could have. And with it came lots of special rights and privileges, including exemption from certain taxes. But colonies in the Roman Empire, they were established by veterans whose responsibility was to ensure the assimilation of Roman law to all of its residents. Anyone, anyone living in the Roman Empire was expected to abide by these laws and customs. And additionally, they were expected to worship the emperor, who at the time was Nero. And they were expected to worship any other man-made gods, or else they would face the consequences. Now listen, Paul is very specific and very deliberate in his word usage. In other verses of the New Testament, we will see the words, God of peace. But here in Philippians, he says, peace of God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the Philippians knew their history, and they knew their present reality. They lived in the midst of a culture that wanted them, wanted everybody to conform to Roman ways. And as a Roman citizen himself, Paul is very familiar with the historical backdrop that he is, to the people that he's writing to. He's writing to them with this in mind. When he says, peace of God, It would have resonated with his audience. It was no accident. And here's why. This time period in history is known as the Pax Romana, Latin for the peace of Rome. The peace of Rome was highly touted and widely known over the entire empire, every city, every citizen, every colony. And it had been in effect for about 80 years at this time. Rome proclaimed peace, but how peaceful was it? It wasn't very peaceful for the Christians who refused to worship Roman gods. The peace of Rome was great if you complied, but if you didn't conform, punishment awaited. And we already know in chapter 1, verse 28, that there's opposition and there's suffering. The persecution of Christians had already started Christians were already being forced to choose between allegiance to Rome or allegiance to God. The Philippians knew this. They were well acquainted with the peace of Rome. But Paul says it is the peace of God that will guard your heart. He does not say the peace of Rome. Paul is emphasizing a new and lasting source of true peace. He takes their perspective and turns it upside down by offering a greater peace than Rome, one that will sustain them amid trials and suffering, anxieties and fears. Paul knows that the peace of Rome cannot provide what they need. It's like Paul is saying, your Roman garrison may guard your city, but it won't guard your heart. Your Roman colony may defend your community, but it won't keep you from eternity. 
Your Roman citizenship may protect your status, but it won't fortify your faith. Peace is not found in special rights and privileges. Peace is not found in government provision and protection. Your colony cannot do for you what only your creator can. The peace of Rome is temporary, but the peace of God is eternal. There is only one peace that Paul says will sustain us, and he says it is the peace of God. And the same is true for us today, friends. Just like the Roman culture, the American culture strives for the peace, for, the, for us to experience the peace of comfort, the peace of affluence, the peace of affirmation, the peace of good health, the peace of a guaranteed retirement, the peace of a fat paycheck, the peace of military power, the peace of political power, military strength the peace of job security, the peace of prayers answered like we had hoped. But no, Paul says peace is not found in perfect circumstances. True peace is only found in the Prince of Peace. That's it. We live in the United States of anxiety and we need we need the peace of God to guard our hearts and minds today, tomorrow, next week, forever. And it is only the supernatural peace of God that will protect our minds, shield our faith, defend the enemy's attempts to destroy us, protect our emotions and our inner core. Church, until Christ returns or we go home with him, we're going to be bombarded with anxieties and worries and fears all sorts, but we have to decide, will we trust the one that we can entrust our concerns to? Will we trust him? Will we allow thankfulness to guide our hearts towards the peace of God that will guard our hearts as we leave our concerns with him? And as we close this morning in prayer, may the presence of God overshadow our anxieties so the peace of God can overwhelm our realities. Let's pray. God, you are so good. Thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Help us, Father, to let go in that tug of war. Meet us where we are, Jesus. We ask this in faith in your name. Amen.